if you'll come on up, I'll ask you to distribute to all those who said a verse today. <clears throat> we'll go to chapter 3 in our book, lesson 3, <clears throat> The Faith of Noah. And we'll go ahead and, and read Hebrews 11, 1 through 7. And 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the words, excuse me, the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. That was where we finished last week. Verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So now we're looking at Noah today in our faith series talking about having faith in God. Noah was an amazing character. He lived in a world of absolute weakness and if you remember the chart that I showed last week, he lived a long time. He was uh I think he was 600 years old when uh maybe he was 500. I have to look at the chart again, look at the Bible. But uh he, it took him about 100 years to build the ark. This was not just a, something he did in a few months. Uh and he had plenty of time. I mean, he was 600 and some years old, so he had plenty of time, but it was a slow-going process, and if you've ever seen a replica of the ark, it, w it would have been. It, would have, it was a huge undertaking. And um, <clears throat> he was in a world of absolute wickedness in the lowest time of human history. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 says that God looked down and saw the world, and it was only evil continually. That's an amazing phrase, only evil continually. I mean, we've got evil in our world, but only evil continually. That's amazing, and... Uh, we're, we're getting there. We're going in that direction. We're spiraling in that direction, but we're not there yet. But that was the world of Noah's day. And God saw this wicked world and repented that he had made man. He determined to destroy the world, and God found one man. And it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it found one man who would listen. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God spoke to Noah. He told Noah what he was going to do. And Noah believed every word the Lord spoke. God believed Noah, or excuse me, Noah believed God. Noah believed everything God said, and he trusted God. And I don't know exactly uh, how how Noah was impressed upon by God. I don't know if he heard audible or if he just heard it within his mind and heart, but he knew that God was telling him to do something. And understand that it had never rained. The Bible says in chapter 2 of Genesis that it, God, when he made the creation, he didn't make it to rain. He made a mist to come up from the ground like, uh, you know, underground sprinkler system. And so it hadn't rained. And so the idea of a flood was very just, just silly, ludicrous in the minds of people. But Noah found grace and Noah obeyed God. Um, and so it was an exercise of the faith that he had in God. Uh, was Noah saved because he built the ark? That's a loaded question. That's a trick question. Because yes and no. Physically, yes. But Noah already had faith in God, okay? Uh, the men who died before Noah had faith in God. Enoch walked with God, and God took him. 
They had faith in God. But Noah's faith was illustrated in the building of the ark. And because Noah obeyed God and built the ark, he saved his family and he preserved human life. Um, we certainly know that his family was saved from the peril of the flood because they boarded the ark. But Noah was already a believer when he built the ark. His faith was demonstrated by his actions. And in James chapter 2, it says, faith without works is dead. James chapter 2 talks about Abraham and how that Abraham's faith was proven when he offered Isaac as a sacrifice, which is the, the front cover picture of our book. Um, and also Rahab exercised the faith that she had when she hid the spies and uh, separated herself from the unbelievers by doing so. Um, but these people had faith, and their faith resulted in action. Now, we don't believe that works are how you get faith or that works are necessary for you to be saved, but what works do is they prove that you are saved, that you have faith. And so Noah already believed God, and after believing and trusting and knowing God, <clears throat> God impressed upon him to exercise that faith in an unusual way. I heard a preacher say one time that they did not tell Pollock jokes back then. Back then they told Noah jokes. Because you can imagine how, what a laughing stock he must have been to have an ark in the front yard of his house. And, I mean, it would have been years and years and years building. Um, you're building a boat, and it's a long ways from the ocean, Noah, and you're building a boat. And so you can imagine the jokes that they told and laughed at Noah about, all right? Um, when we say salvation, sometimes we need to understand that there's actually three aspects of salvation, and, and sometimes false religion gets start with this. False salvations get taught. But let me just say it this way. The Bible indicates three parts of salvation. The past part, okay? Uh, if you're saved, if you are born again, you are saved, and that's past tense. You've already been saved. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let me just show you a couple places, and then we'll keep going. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 9. Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling. All right, so that's past tense. That's already a done deal. Hath saved us, okay? And so if you're saved, you are saved, all right? That's a past tense. It's, it, it isn't like some modern versions will say, being saved or can you know hoping to be saved and all that kind of thing that's that's just wrong and they get false religion false teaching about salvation salvation is a past tense if you're born again okay uh, but you know salvation is also present tense as the reference in our in Philippians chapter 2 uh, says and so we go up to Philippians chapter 2 and look at verse 12 there is a present tense to salvation <clears throat> Moment by moment, we are to believe God and place our faith in him. Now, if you are saved, you already placed your faith in him. But how many of you in here, including me, how many of us, now that we're saved, are, are totally placing our faith in him and always trusting him for everything? No, see? So there's a constant present tense of exercising our salvation, okay? And so um, Philippians 2 verse 12 Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That is not saying that you work for your salvation. It's saying that you exercise it. You work it out, just like you would go to the gym. You work out, you exercise the salvation you have. 
with fear and trembling. You use the faith that you've been given at salvation to continue to build on that faith and to grow that faith, all right? And so God expects us to exercise and to build that faith. And I guarantee you, day one when Noah was impressed upon God to start building an ark, faith was there. But way, way, way down the line when Noah is halfway through building the ark, faith was getting challenged. Faith was getting exercised. He was working out faith. And uh, I'm sure... Uh, that there were times when it was tough and frustrating. And of course, when it was all complete and the flood came, and it wasn't just a pitter-patter of rain, it was a deluge of water. And when the flood came and the fountains of the deep broke open and Noah is in the ark with all the animals and his family and he looks out the window and sees nothing but water, I guarantee you faith at that point was way stronger than faith was even at the beginning of building the ark. Because that's the Christian life is, is that we build and that we exercise and we grow. We work out our faith, okay? Uh, and so this is where we find Noah in chapter 6. He's in the present tense stage of his salvation. He's working out. He's exercising his faith. But then also there is a Romans chapter 13 uh, reference I want you to look at. And there's other places in the Bible where you'll see this. And so Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, it says... <clears throat> And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. There is a future salvation. There is a salvation. There is the day coming. And uh, so I am saved. I am being saved, and I shall be saved. All right? I, I am saved, but I am continually needing to be saved from my own sinful nature and lack of faith. And one day I will be saved. I will shall be saved. In other words, I am, I am being, and I shall be. And, and, and so it's all three aspects of it concerning our salvation. So faith starts the moment you're saved. But faith is then grown and built upon, and it's complete when you enter heaven. All right, so uh, page 14, Noah's faith. Noah's faith, back there in Hebrews 11.1, 1, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things, not seen as yet. That would be the flood. That would be the water. That would be all that rain. Noah built the ark for 120 years. All right? And so 120 years, he's building this thing. He did not build the ark because of what he saw. He did not read in the newspaper that floods were coming. Uh, he, he understood by God that he needed to do something. The Bible says in Genesis 2, 5, and 6 that it had not rained on the earth. God did not originally create the world to have that kind of a reigning. Yet Noah was not preaching, was now preaching that it was going to rain. So here's Noah preaching and telling people that the flood's coming, that there is coming a bad time. There's coming a world where it's going to rain God's judgment. We'll see that later on. Where Noah's preaching, he's not just building, but apparently he's preaching. I'm sure just the fact that he's building the ark is preaching. And just the fact that when every time someone, what are you doing that for? Because God's judgment is coming. Well, that's preaching. I mean, you're, you're telling people the war, and warning them that God's judgment is coming. The earth would be flooded. The only place of safety would be on board the ark that God had prepared, had Noah prepare. And we read the story in Genesis chapter 6. So let's go there. Let's just read that portion of the chapter. Genesis chapter 6. And understand the picture that we have of us today. Because there is a picture here. There's quite a clear understanding. 
Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, And God saw that the weakness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. The Bible says, just like Enoch, Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh was corrupt, had corrupted his way upon the earth. And we're seeing that today. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make it in the ark, and pitch shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shall be set in the side thereof. With lower, second, and third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh. Wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, and thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort, shall come into the, unto thee to keep them alive. And thou shalt... <clears throat> And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it together, gather it to thee, and it shall be for the food for thee, for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So God impressed upon Noah. God told him. God walked with Noah. Noah walked with God. And Noah acted on what he was told to do. That's what faith is. I, I don't. I, I don't think we see much faith today, but faith is when you know that God's telling you to do something and you do it, and it makes no sense. It doesn't seem to fit, but it is what God said to do, and so you do it. You just do what God gave you to do. I wonder about us. Can you believe in something you've never seen? It isn't faith if you can see it, but 120 years later, that's faith. It's faith when you can't understand how it's going to work, but you trust God. Why did Noah do this? He did it because he had faith in God. The, the God whom he already knew as his Savior gave him instruction to do this. God revealed to him things that the human eye could not see, and he believed what God said. You and I are called upon every day, moment by moment, to exercise faith in our lives as well, in our Redeemer, to live for, the things, for things we cannot behold with the human eye. And Jesus said so. Here's how I know. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said it would be as in the days of Noah. He gave two names. One was Noah and one was Lot. I'd much rather be a Noah than a Lot. Noah wasn't perfect, but he is a lot better than Lot. Matthew 24 and verse 37, Jesus said, But as in the days, as the days of Noah or Noe were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days in, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. We're seeing those days now. We're seeing days like that. And I do believe that 
Bible-believing Christians will be doing things that the world will say, that's dumb, that's stupid, that doesn't make any sense. You're not using your, 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 your wis- you're not using good wisdom. You're not investing wisely. Uh, you're wasting all your time building a boat, and your family's wasting all their time building a boat, and they could be having fun and enjoying themselves, but instead they're building a boat. I guarantee you, not only was Noah's faith a lot stronger when he was looking out the window at the water, but I'm sure Shem, Ham, and Japheth's faith was a whole lot stronger when they were looking out the window at the water too. And they realized that all that struggle and all that trial and all the have to crazy dad, crazy old dad, wasn't so crazy anymore. They all laughed until the rain started. Noah's faith. And that's what it's going to be like. Jesus said that. Jesus said that's what it's going to be like. Is it going to be popular? This lie of the devil that says Christianity is popular, that's false Christianity when you see that. All right? You got hippie Jesuses out there? That's false Christianity. Noah's faith is, is exemplified here, and Jesus backed it up and said, this is the kind of world it'll be when I return. So you have Noah's faith, but you also have Noah's fear. Because it says in Hebrews 11, it also says, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark. You know, the Bible teaches us that we should not fear, and the Bible teaches us that we should fear that there should be a fear we should not have and there should be a fear we should have. And this kind of fear that Noah had was good fear. Question, could Noah have feared the people around him? Absolutely. I mean, you you know this for a fact. We're going to see it in a minute. He preached. Anytime you preach to people who don't want to hear it, there's conflict and peer pressure. And I'm sure there was pressure on Noah. And I'm sure there was the temptation to fear his neighbors and to fear his relatives. I mean, all it was was his wife and his own sons and their wives. I'm sure there were other relatives that were saying stuff. The fear of maybe his employer. Maybe he quit his job so he could finish this thing. The fear that was going on here. But that wasn't the fear that Hebrews is talking about. Because if he would have been moved with fear that way, he'd have never built the ark. But the Bible says he moved with fear and he built the ark, which means that he feared somebody else instead. And we know who that was. That was God. Why did Noah have this fear? God warned Noah. You may ask, what, what did Noah think about this warning? Well, obviously he believed it. If we could hear Noah preaching in his day, he, we would hear him saying, God has warned me, judgment is coming. If you do not believe, you will perish. Remember what it says in Second Peter chapter 3? Let's look there in case we forgot. Second Peter chapter 3. This is what it says. This is what these people said. Okay? Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. There are, there are Hollywood celebrities. There are other celebrities. There are, there are politicians. They laugh at Christianity and they mock it. These people who believe in creation. These people believe that there was a flood that destroyed the world. These people that believe this stuff about the Bible and Noah's Ark and all this stuff, they, they make a mockery of it. In fact, Hollywood's made a mockery of Noah and the Ark. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. And lust is just whatever you want to do, your body, your flesh. And here's what they said, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. 
For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. And so just as you can see, we don't just have to guess. We can see this was Noah's day. They were willingly ignorant. They just laughed at Noah. They laughed at what Noah was doing. Their imagination was only evil continually, the Bible says. And they said, God's not coming. This isn't going to happen. Judgment isn't going to come. Blah, blah, blah. And they just laughed. And Noah, on the other hand, preached. And you can see that in chapter 2. Back up one page. Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says that God did not spare anyone. It says in verse 5, and spared not the old world. That would be before the flood, the old world, before, you know, when men lived to be 900 years old. It's an old that's the old world. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So we see here that Noah preached. He didn't just keep his mouth shut. Noah preached, okay? He was a preacher of righteousness, and he preached no doubt about God's coming judgment. Obviously, that's why he was building the ark. So if you don't believe, you'll perish. When you hear someone preaching on the coming judgment, how do you respond? It says there in 2 Peter 3.10, but the, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And verse 9 says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It wasn't like God was, you know, rubbing his hands together, excited about what was happening. He's not willing that any should perish. But verse 10 says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. That day of the Lord is the day of wrath. It's the judgment of God. You don't want to be in on the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will come. And the, and the Bible goes on to say there in verse 10 and 11 that this world now, since the flood, is going to be melted, not by a flood. Remember the rainbow is the promise sign that God would not destroy the world with water. However, he will destroy the world again, this time with fire. So when Al Gore talks about global warming, he's kind of right. It is going to warm up real hot, and everything's going to melt. And the day of the Lord will come, and every, the elements will melt, and all everything will be burned up, everything. Everything that man's proud of. And so the day of the Lord is the judgment of God. God is going to judge this world. And Noah and his flood are the example of that. And here you and I live in the Black Hills where you can see the reminder of it every day. I drive out to Napa to get an auto part and I can see the reminder of the flood right behind Napa. All that rock upheaved sideways. Go over to the Badlands. You know, they weren't badlands when God created them, but they are now. The canyons and uh, the caves, the cave people will tell you, you know, the, they'll tell you that water carved out Jewel Cave, and I know when it happened. Um, this is, this is so much, there's so much evidence to it, and yet you go into Woolly Mammoth, and they'll say millions of years ago, one mammoth fell into a sinkhole. Another one tried to help him, and he fell into a sinkhole. Another one tried to help, and they all, one at a time, just went right into the sinkhole, and all of them drowned together. I agree all of them drowned together, but that's not how they drowned, okay? They all did drown together, but not that way. Uh, animals aren't that dumb. And uh, we need to understand that the only way things can be fossilized and preserved is if they were buried rapidly, instantaneously. I mean, otherwise, animal bones just, you know, decay because they're not, they have to be buried instantaneously in order for a whole 
you know, skeletons to be preserved like that, buried and, and uh, uh, fossilized. And um, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word. Uh, when you f- Oh, petrified. Petrified. In order for something petrified, it's got to be instantaneously that way in, or in special conditions. And so when we see the evidence all around us, especially out here in the Mountain West, I mean, we just know there was a cataclysmic flood. I like to listen. I never read, but I like to listen to a Louis L'Amour on audio if I'm driving a long distance. And uh, I have a couple episodes where they're out there in Utah or Nevada, and and uh, the the character says, yeah, this old dry sea bottom. And he's talking about this huge desert, you know, the Mojave, and out there in the middle of nowhere, and he called it a sea bottom. Exactly. That's what it, that's what it was at one time. It was a sea bottom. And um, Matt Fowler's grandfather over here in Wyoming, not too far from here on the Cheyenne River, lived right there on the Cheyenne River. He told me, he's, he, he showed me this huge barn filled with dinosaur bones that he had collected on his ranch. He said, when I was a young man, I'd ride my horse. We'd come up over this ridge right here. He'd show me the ridge. He said, there used to be a rib cage sticking out of the top of the ridge. My horse would have to step between the rib cages to get over. So the evidence of, of a burial of, of animals and fossils like that, I mean, this is, it's, it's there. And, and yet what we see now is we have, you know, in our public school system, we have teachers telling kids millions and millions of years ago, the textbooks are all saying millions and millions of years ago, and, and, you know, these lived millions of years. No, no, no. They were buried instantly, rapidly. And probably some young dinosaurs even got on the ark. Uh, but they couldn't live and grow as long and live as long as uh, they did before the flood. And so many of them have died off. I don't think all of them have. Because I think you still once in a while hear about sightings of some weird sea monsters and things like that. And Loch Ness and all that. Anyhow, we'll, we won't get off on that too much. But the point is, is that man is willingly ignorant, willing to believe in millions and millions of years and a big bang that somehow started everything, but cannot believe that God created the world and then God flooded the world. Just cannot swallow that, cannot have that. Of course not, because that means God's in charge and he's the judge. So the only place of safety is the Lord Jesus Christ and the ark is a picture of Jesus I've seen a picture of the Noah and the ark, and, I've, and someone, you know, put Jesus, the name Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, on the side of the ark. That's that's fine with me, because I really think that the ark is a perfect type of Christ. I mean, we get saved by getting in Christ, and once we're in Christ, we are a new creature. And being in Christ, we have hope of a new life and a new world. And when they opened the ark, they were in a brand new world, and they owned everything. And so, in Christ, I see the type of the ark there. And um, the ark was predestined to float. And you get in Christ, you're part of the predestined as well. And on and on we could go. So I want to explain fear to you real quick. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Let's just understand the difference between fear and fear. All right? Mark chapter 4. Everybody fears something. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. Mark 4.35 says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith, Jesus saith to his disciples, Let's pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves 
beat to the ship so that he, it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I think we just sang that just recently in the hymn. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, <clears throat> Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Verse 40 has a fear, and verse 41 has a fear, but they're not the same fear. Verse 40, he's saying, he's rebuking them. He's saying, why are you so fearful at the weather? Verse 41, and they feared. Were they fearing the weather in verse 41? No, it was calm. So in verse 41, what were they fearing now? They're fearing him. They said, who is this that can make the weather stop? Who is this that can control the wind and the sea? You see, they, they changed their fear from being afraid of the world to being afraid of him. And being afraid of him is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It relieves us from all other fears. All of a sudden, they no longer feared the storm because they were with someone who controlled the storm. And, and the world doesn't have that. The world just has the fear of everything around them. But the world doesn't exercise a fear in God. Only Noah had a fear in God back then. And Noah's fear in God preserved him, whereas the people who feared everything else but God, they died. They lost it. So Noah's primary fear was not the coming wrath, but the fear of God. The Bible talks about the wrath of God over and over again. When we fear the Lord as we should, we are not frightened by the circumstances of this world. The Bible says in Revelation 6, at the end of Revelation chapter 6, it talks, shows how man is going to be angry at God and afraid of God. And, and they're going to think that God's wrath has come. And they're going to say, his wrath is... And, and why? Because they're deep down, they are afraid of, that God is... I mean, anyone who denies God is, is afraid it, it could be wrong. I mean, I mean that's just it. Anybody who, anybody who denies God is afraid they might be wrong. Any atheist who talks about and brags about the fact that there is no God is always afraid, maybe, maybe I'll meet him someday. And so when, when push comes to shove and they are under pressure and all of a sudden everything's being stripped away and they're gasping for breath and they're about to die, there, there have been atheists that have been known to curse God, you know, and, and, to, and to get angry. And I, I remember actually watching a documentary of a guy who was mad because he was an ice glacier climber and he slipped and fell and slid and bro broke his bones and he was just hurting all over and uh and he was trying to get him you know get himself out of there and it was just getting worse and he was cursing god just cursing him all right now they don't believe in him as in salvation but yet they know he exists and they curse him when it doesn't go right when we fear the Lord as we should, we don't have to be frightened by the circumstances of this world. So we all should, see, see, I think everybody has a fear. It's just what your fear is in. And when we fear the Lord, you don't have to be motivated by lesser fears. And we saw how easily you can motivate an entire globe of people with fear. We saw that just about two years ago, I think it was where people are just motivated by fear, the fear of death. And we need to recognize that God's bigger than that. 
The Bible says in Philippians 4.19, I'll supply all your needs. God will supply all my need. We can trust God to meet our need. And if, and if my need is to go to heaven, he'll meet that one too. We don't have to live in fear, but we do because we're human. I'm sure Noah had some doubts. I'm sure Noah had some concerns. But God kept leading Noah. And Noah, because he moved with fear, he saved his family. You know the difference between Noah and Lot? You know how Jesus said, as in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot. You know the, the, the huge difference between Noah and Lot? Lot didn't save his family. And it's possible to go to heaven and kind of be a loser. You know, because Lot feared everything around. He feared his wife, feared his kids. He feared Sodom and Gomorrah. He feared everybody else. He didn't fear God. But Lot, the Bible says, vexed his righteous. He had a righteous soul. He was saved. He is in heaven. As hard as it might be to believe that, the Bible says he he vexed his righteous soul there in Peter where we were earlier. But Lot didn't save his family. And, and Lot's not listed in Hebrews 11 as one of the great faith people. But Noah, on the other hand, moved with fear and saved his family, the Bible says. That's a huge warning to all of us. You can be saved, but that doesn't mean your family will be saved. Understand the importance of that. I'll be grieved if my grandchildren aren't Christians. Not just grieved, but ashamed and broken. Because it shouldn't be that way. Noah's faith, Noah's fear, and Noah's family. And so again, 11.7, Hebrews 11.7. By faith Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. The way he led his family condemned the world. By which he condemned the world. You know why people don't like Christians be autom- automatically you condemn them you know why I don't like it if you if your dress is more modest than theirs it exposes that it, it just shows that they don't like that you know why they don't like it if you show up at the family reunion and you don't want to drink it condemns them they know that see whenever you do something right and everybody else is not it just sticks out and it's not like you're trying to but that's what happens and so by the way he led his family, I guarantee you Noah and Noah's family didn't do everything everybody else was doing. I guarantee you Noah's boys were different. And by which he condemned the world. What he did with his life condemned the world. How he behaved was a condemnation on the world. He wasn't trying to be condemning, but just obeying Jesus is going to cause you to stick out and your light will shine and that's going to condemn light and darkness don't get along and then I I want to read this sentence in that paragraph there when a man follows Christ it is a condemnation to those about him who are not following Christ And, and, and one of the first realizations you have if you got saved as an adult one of the first realizations you get is boy not everybody likes this not everybody's happy I'm saved. Not all my family's happy I'm saved. Maybe my spouse isn't happy I'm saved. 
maybe my employers. But when you get saved and you start to do, there'll be people that will all of a sudden be upset with you. Years ago, I was training as I was going through the tunnel, the, the needle's eye tunnel. I was training to drive a bus through the tunnel. I used to do that. You've seen the postcard? I used to do that. And uh, I was tra- I had it was a stick shift and it was a double clutch thing and, and I had an inch on each mirror and we were just about to go and that was my first time and I was sitting with the man who was training me and another man who also he was training and the other man was the minister at the community church downtown. And the man that was training me I thought was a Christian and I of course knew the man at the community church was a liberal and maybe a Christian, maybe. But anyhow, we we talked about the rock. I mean, you can't help but talk about the rocks when you go to the needles. And so I'm driving up to the needles. We're about to go, and I said something, and somebody said something about billions of years. I said, no, this is obviously a result of the flood. And they both said, oh, come on. You don't have to believe that. And they both were getting on my case for it. I'm already nervous because I'm trying to go through the tunnel with an inch on each mirror, and now they're arguing with me about, but I was just, I was stunned. Why, why, why can't we believe in the judgment of God in the flood? Why do we have to believe in millions of years and then pretend like we're Christian at the same time? And there's lots of little things like that where you say something. I, you know, I, I remember distinctly one time somebody said, Matt, you don't drink? No, I don't drink. Huh, you know? And it's just like there's something wrong with me because I don't drink, you know? And, and, and I, I, I kind of think maybe it's, I don't have to, and they do, all right? But the point is, is that there's lots of things that as a Christian, and trust me, I don't wake up every morning saying, boy, I sure hope I can rub somebody the wrong way today. I don't do that. I just don't. But if you're a Christian, you're going to rub somebody the wrong way, and you, and you need to get over it and realize it isn't me. It's Christ that's rubbing them the wrong way. But he saved his family. But he condemned the world by doing it. He gave the world no excuse. Whenever we have someone, old or young, that defies the odds and makes it, it condemns all the ones who didn't. It condemns all the ones who who make excuses for themselves. Because it can be done. And Noah lived in a horrible world, and yet he did manage to save his family. And Noah loved his family, and he knew that they needed to be on that ark. Likewise, we need to tell our loved ones that God is real and that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin. We need to tell them that he rose from the dead and that the only place of safety is in him. And I want you to see something in Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. God told Noah to build the ark, and God told Noah to build the door. But you know who shut the door? Noah didn't shut the door. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 16, and they went in, went, and they went, they went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. And once the door is shut, it's too late. It's, it's, it's too late. And one day that door is going to shut. And if you've got a relative that's not saved, if you've got a loved one, if you've got a neighbor, if you've got a, maybe it's not a loved one, maybe it's a hated one. 
there's, it's going to be too late pretty soon. Whether it's a loved one or an enemy, you better understand that they need the gospel because it's going to be too late. And I'd rather have preached to them and they not get saved than not to have preached to them and then wish I would have later. Once the door is closed, it will be too late. And there is only one door. There is only one way. There is only one escape. There is only one boat. As Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And Noah and his family got on board. They were rescued. They were saved. Were they perfect people? No. But they did the one thing most necessary. They believed God and they got on board. We're going to have to stop there, but we can pick up again next week. Lord, we thank you for our opportunity to open the word of God and preach it and teach it. Help us try to try to imagine, try to visualize. 120 years. You were so merciful that you didn't just allow Noah to build it for 120 days. You made the building so long that it would be impossible for anyone not to have heard about it. Everybody knew there was a Noah building an ark. They had time. Lord, help us to think about our, our own family, our own relatives. Help us to not be a lot. Help us to see all of them get in the ark. Help us to make that our, our concern that our own friends, our own family, our own co-workers, the people around us, the people we touch, that they would know that there is a judgment coming. And the same God who flooded this world is going to melt it. Lord, help us to believe it and then share it so that they'll believe it too. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.